What is up, internet? How's it going? This is the Bitch and Brew podcast, episode number nine. Uh, I, as always, am your host, Danny Randon. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I'm okay. Thanks for asking. I guess I'm kind of running on the dregs of my coffee buzz right now. Um, weirdly enough, I also had a can of Monster for the first time today in like two years. I I don't know what got me into... Uh, you know, got me into buying one half asleep at work today, but I'm probably going to put it down to the fact that I've just started listening to the Jasta show, uh, which is the podcast hosted by Jamie Jasta from Hatebreed, of course. Uh, amazing show, but he is sponsored by Monster, and I guess I kind of just fell hook, line, and sinker for one of his plugs for Monster, you know, which, thinking about it now, is absolutely pathetic on my part, but Surprisingly, the monster actually tasted quite nice. It was the Ripper Energy Juice, the yet the yellow one. I, but I think that's kind of it for energy drinks for me for a little while again. But um, shout out the Jaster Show. As far as uh, conversational podcast go, I think I found a new hero in Jamie Jaster. He's like a master of the podcasting medium and also master of uh, shit kicking metalcore bands. Uh, right, well, on to this episode. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Acast, and hopefully thanks to some of you for subscribing too. In fact, that's where I'm going to start this episode. I'm going to start with a massive thank you uh, to all of you out there who have supported Bitch and Brew since it's relaunched last month. The response to that last episode left me absolutely speechless. Thanks to Jamie Holker from Start of Riot for being a part of that one and also for putting a, a lovely little mention of Bitch and Brew in one of his episodes of Thank Punk It's Friday. He's a good lad, he is. Um, this episode I've been looking forward to putting out for a long time now because as with the previous episode, it was recorded so fucking long ago. This one was actually recorded in March, so again, sorry for taking so long and putting this one out. My guest on Bitch and Brew uh, this time round is Mr. Tom Denson. That name might ring a bell for you for multiple reasons, kind of depending on your background. Uh, if you work in the music industry in some way, shape or form, then you'll know Tom as a publicist for Brace Yourself PR, which is one of the best independent music PR companies out there right now. Tom has worked with some incredible bands in the last few years. Uh, to I'm going to round up a few. He's worked with the likes of Milk Teeth, who have obviously been on the podcast before. Uh, he's also worked with Wolf Alice, Deaf Heaven. He's worked with Pup. Uh, Basement, Narwhals, Manchester Orchestra, Ceremony, Modern Baseball. He's done PR for Latitude Festival, and I went nuts when I heard about this. He's even worked with fucking Refused. It's it's actually crazy the amount of cool artists Tom's worked with, and it's people like him who help get some of those bands the press coverage that they deserve and you love. So, well, I guess that's his job after all. Um, But if you don't work in the music industry or have any job where you have to communicate with publicists, then you may know Tom as the ex-frontman of the now sadly defunct band Kerouac. They were, and probably still are, to be honest, legends of the Southampton scene. Uh, I've only been down here a couple of years, so unfortunately I never got to see Kerouac play because uh, they haven't been split up for a few years now, but they made quite a name for themselves on the nationwide hardcore circuit as well. So it's well worth going back and listening to their stuff if you haven't done so before. They were signed to Holy Raw Records too, uh, which to me is a sort of a huge mark of quality. Holy Raw have been killing it for years now. Anyway, back to back to Tom. He's a super funny, super genuine guy. I'd wanted to get him on the podcast for a while and we got properly chatting about it when he hooked me up with suggestions of things to do when I went on holiday to Copenhagen earlier this year with my girlfriend, uh, which was real nice of him to do. We finally sort of got this arranged uh, to record this podcast uh, when I was up in London to see Creeper at the Electric Ballroom. really was that long ago now. Um, we met up before the show in Shoreditch, which is sort of the hipster capital of the UK, if not the world. Um, it's where Brace Yourself's offices are. It's just around the corner from the legendary venue, The Old Blue Last. And we went for some batch brew coffee at a quirky little spot called Origin Coffee. Um, it was, if you pardon the pun, a batch in brew, and saying that even makes me cringe. So let's move right along. Uh, I'll be honest with you, given the time, we probably could have recorded for another four, 
uh, like four fucking hours. Tom has got so many great opinions and he's done so much cool shit that we barely even kind of scratched the surface on his work at Brace Yourself or indeed his time in Kerouac. If you're a long-time member of the Southampton punk scene, this episode may actually bit of a, be a bit of a blast from the past for you. Uh, we talk a lot about Tom's upbringing within that scene. Obviously, he lives in London now, but he's still super passionate about the scene. Uh, we got a little bit of spom over Creeper, or spom bag, as I should say. So proud of my boys and girl. Uh, Tom's had a pretty good vantage point seeing that band grow into the incredible uh, thing that they are now. Um, we talk about lots of other random shit too, especially from... Uh, you know, things like uh, how snobby we are when it comes to coffee, our uh, escapades at award shows. We definitely hit the free bar together big time at the Kerrang Awards last year. Um, we talk about Tom's most recent musical project, a band called Guilt, uh, who did an awesome double A-side single for charity last year, and the Mountfield Reading Club, which at the time of recording this was an online book club that Tom founded uh, and operated through a Facebook group. It's unfortunately kind of faded into obscurity over the last couple of months, but I'm hoping that by keeping the portion of the podcast about the club in the final cut, we can get the club going again, maybe even with some of you as new members. Who? How about that? That'd be cool. Um, we've got all that and more coming up on this episode of Bitch and Brew, but before we go in on my chat with Tom, I am so excited to say that we've got another exclusive premiere of a track on this episode. Uh, this was something I road tested last week with Venture, shout out those boys, the double A-side uh, You Me is out now and we premiered You from that on Bitch and Brew number 8. Uh, but this time round we have a truly awesome track from a band rather fittingly from Hampshire as well. They are a punk rock band called The Sour Taste. They're a three-piece from Salisbury, but I've seen them do shows in Southampton, and they play great, chorus-heavy punk rock, which is sort of on a pop-punk tip, but it's a little bit gruffer, especially in the vocals. They've just got these epic whoa-oh sing-along moments that are great to hear if you've had a long week and you just want to crack open a fucking cold one, whether it's a beer or a Diet Coke or a Monster, and kind of throw your arm around your mate. That's sort of especially the case with the song that you're about to hear. Uh, The track that we are premiering is called Am I Dead? It's the second track to be taken from their new EP, which, if you are listening to this episode on the day of release, is out a week today on September 15th. The EP is called Heart Sinker. And it's coming out on Speaking Tongues, which is another great underground label. Uh, I'll pop links to pre-order the EP and follow the band on social media in the description. And we're going to dive right into the main portion of the podcast with Tom Denson straight after. But in the meantime, here's the exclusive premiere of Am I Dead by The Sour Taste. Play this one loud.
This is a first on the Bitch and Brew where the guest has picked the coffee spot because this is a part of London that I've not really ever visited before because I've not really had any reason to before. But um, you've travelled all the way out no, here. All the way. All the way. How far away is this spot from your office? Uh, literally two minutes. I feel, I feel quite bad because every time... Every time anyone has like a, I don't know, they want to have like a meeting or something, we always end up here. Because it's just like, the thing is, we're, our office is kind of by, it's part of a bar as well. There's like, it's a complex that has offices, a bar, uh, and studios. So basically, everything's all under one roof. You have a meeting with someone who works in an office across the way in the bar so every now and then you try and branch out a little bit and by branching out I mean literally coming yeah. two minutes I mean away. how often do you find yourself coming here in a working week uh, definitely a few times a week definitely yeah. the, the, the coffee's too good I must say it is really good we're at Origin there we go. Yeah. we're at Origin in Shoreditch yes yeah um, which is you know, one thing I noticed, because, like I said, I've never been to Shoreditch before. You, uh, you know, you come out of Old Street Station, and um, you're, you're surrounded by these sort of artisanal food spots, coffee spots. I mean, as, as soon as you come out, you've got that place. I think it's Shoreditch Grind or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you are you a bit of a, a coffee snob? No, I'm not. I'm not a snob. I'm just lucky that this one's here. That I, I know people. That I don't know. I'm, if, it, if it tastes good, I'm, I don't. I don't get too into it. Yeah. The Not reason, like uh, quite a few people know. <laughs> the reason I ask is because everyone. I, I work in a sort of a big office complex. Yeah. Like literally, like it's a business park. Um, like off a, off an A road, so um, it has an in-house Starbucks. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I found that I was going there quite regularly because everyone in the office is quite happy with just doing a spoonful of Kenko yeah. into a cup yeah. and that's it and I just no, never no, been able that, to dig it not, I, I do kind of draw the line there when I say snob I'm, if I'm doing it in the office it's like grounds and aeropresses <laughs> and stuff like that but. yeah and I, I usually cut up that Starbucks maybe once or twice a day and oh, it was yeah. becoming a bit of a habit but then when I came back from Copenhagen I realised that I need to be frugal for the rest of the month because <laughs> I'd spent so much money in Copenhagen because Copenhagen is very expensive Copenhagen is very expensive um, so I tried to find a way around it and bought a a personal cafetiere <laughs> and the amount of looks I got in dirty looks I got in the office where do you work I, I work I, well, my day job is for a local newspaper yeah. in Portsmouth yeah. so they don't, they don't have that kind of coffee there right? they don't uh, I mean that's, my, a very, that's a very Southampton comment of me trying to like <laughs> instigate some kind of beef what, what is the, the Portsmouth Southampton oh it's just I don't know it's just what happens when you put two two towns that are fairly close yeah. by each other. For a while there was like a football rivalry and that spills over into I, I, I used to go to I used to go to Portsmouth and Bournemouth a lot for shows anyway, so I yeah. never really I don't know, you never really encounter too much uh, hostility these like these things. I found I got a lot of dirty looks for when, you know, it was someone's turn to do the coffee. And they asked me if I wanted a coffee, and I just but go. You had your own yeah, thing. yeah, mate. Here, what you got to do is wash out this exactly, coffee. Yeah, get, get all the old grind out of it. Put some of this ground-up coffee into the cafetiere. Don't pour the hot water on it immediately because it will scald it. And I'll, I'll do my. You own really milk. are a. You really are a. And, and, aren't and, you? and they'll just go. No, you're all right. Do you want Kenko? <laughs> well, I'm glad I brought you here then. I wasn't. I didn't realise I'd have to impress you, but yeah. No, it's it's. Really, I, I've never had to decant my own it's a, coffee. It kind of adds a little bit of uh, interactive uh, interactive aspect to. I do. Uh, it, it's it's really a quite a nice experience. I'm guessing you do have to come here a lot after award shows. Because this yeah. has become something of a legend now, is Tom Denson's award show etiquette. Long silence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been... Yeah, I, I, like it, I like a drink of these. <laughs> Basically what it is, is that I'm immensely poor, so when it gets to the point where it's free drinks at some place, I just get very excitable. And... 
I don't know, they're laying on all this for you, and it'd be rude to like. I've had a bit already. Okay, good. Making me out to be one thing. It was because everyone, like, everyone on Twitter would always go on about this place called Food and Rants. Okay, yeah. And we don't have that in Southampton, so. I was in Camden you today. Got, you got the diner now, though. Right? You're getting, you're, 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 yeah, you're we getting do. certain things. Yeah, we're, we're getting... You've got we five got, guys, right? We've got Taco Bell. Wow. <laughs> That's the only one in the... Apart from Manchester, isn't it? I think it was Sheffield. I'm oh, not sure. All the... Yeah. Sunny, some, somewhere sunny, up north. All the sunny spots. <laughs> Sheffield. we got Taco Manchester. Bell, which is... Really is even better when you're drunk. Oh, I, I imagine. It looks fucking... I imagine it's brilliant. <laughs> I've, only, I've only had it once in America but it wasn't it was kind of like it was at South by Southwest and it was just they were just giving out free like free tacos so I'm not sure to the what kind of standard you, you got to go for the burritos which oh, yeah. are basically like the wraps that they use are essentially as hard as hard shell tacos okay. but it is just okay grease oh, well, they do grease, well, grease center oh, interesting but um, it's pretty tight. Plus the Met. We've got some good coffee spots though, but metrics. Metrics, absolutely. Metrics. The one they do, although it keeps just getting burgled consistently, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not not cool. We actually recorded a recent, the preceding episode to this episode of Bitch and Brew. Who was that with? With Jamie Holker from Star oh, Riot. Yeah, mm. I've, I deal with him on emails quite a bit. He's a very nice guy. He's a lovely from what, man. From what, I, from what I gather. You can go back and listen yeah. to that one if you want after you listen Look to this that. one. That's I, I will not be listening. Oh, that's that addressing the, aud- the audience oh, out there. I thought, yeah, I thought you meant me listening back to this. I mean, I'll, never, I'll never listen to my own voice. <laughs> Have you got a real, like... Oh, I hate it. Was that an issue when you were in bands? Like, you couldn't listen? Uh, at the start, when you first started, like, recording, and you'd have the... You'd go through all the, the mixing of it, and you kind of... You're listening back to your voice, like, in isolation, and then you're just like... Ugh. But after... I don't know. That's only when you're singing, but most of the stuff I did was just inordinate warbling and fucking banshee wailing and <laughs> stuff like that so it doesn't that kind of stuff you, you don't get too yeah. self-conscious about I think I, I think it's, it's, it's something you get used to I think as, a, as an awkward teenager you don't really like that kind of stuff but you get used to it mm. did, did you record at the ranch? yeah yeah we were yeah we, we've seen it I think the, the first I don't know, the first time I recorded there was a long time ago when it was a completely different. I don't know if you've been there, but the, no, in terms of like they, they change around all the, uh, the the rooms have been changed around quite a bit, and it, it's it's like really plush now. And in terms of like the live room that they use now, the main live room is we didn't have that when we were recording like bands like years and years ago. Like it's kind of crazy. We have been in there since to record in that room. Yeah, but for the, the, the latest music I did, it's just was that Gill? So the Gill stuff, yeah, that was done. That was done quite a while ago, like maybe like October 2015. 2015? Yeah, 2015. So, and then we just took ages about I don't know sorting out the like the, with the mix we kept changing our minds on, or I wanted to change lyrics around. It was one of these one of these weird things where it's like. You, you write something at a time and it, it means such an important amount to you like the words that you're saying and then all of a sudden when you haven't put it out for like four months you're in a completely different mindset yeah. Like, and you kind of look back on it and think oh, yeah I don't really like that line stuff in life's changed a little bit and you don't feel comfortable having those words put across so we went back and there, there, there were a few like amendments yeah. that we did to it and, and that's yeah I I don't know I don't know if it takes away from it if you're kind of um, I don't know it's not copy and pasting but just jumping in and putting in a different line here a different line there I don't know if it like changes like the continuity of the track or I don't know I, I was really happy with like the stuff the, the idea of that guilt stuff was because everything we'd done before was a lot more um, 
I know it's a lot thrashier. Was it was it with former band? Oh, it was the same. It was, it was all the same members plus one, basically. And the whole idea was that we wanted to take what we'd learned from before and kind of maybe infuse it with a little bit more songwriting news kind of like to, to kind of be like okay let's try and write the chorus let's try and sing this bit let's try and do that and I think we've realised that that takes time that time that we don't really have like all, with all of our jobs and kind of geographically speaking we can practice as much so a lot of the time what we used to do in bands before was literally you turn up to the practice room, you fucking shred a two-minute song that, like, that you put, you, you, you do put together in terms of like in sections. You, you do try and make it interesting and make it flow and all that. But in terms of like, it wasn't going to be like, okay, well, this would be the bridge and this is the chorus. It was just like what felt natural. And I think we kind of. We, we like the idea of putting in choruses and making it a bit more um, I don't know poppy's like the wrong word but in terms of, because it, it was just like about pushing us as musicians and we thought we'd be able to do it and I think in hindsight it just kind of took a bit of the enjoyment out because we were like well this is what we want it to be like whereas everything we'd done before was literally like that's just how it is yeah. that's done that feels like it, that's where it should end it doesn't have a chorus it doesn't have this but that's just how it feels it's like a two minute cacophony of I don't know, aggression, emotion, <laughs> and everything. Is, is there plans to do anything else with it, or was it? Oh, just I think the guilt stuff. We were. It wasn't a. We had plans to do more with it, but it's just it. We kind of all we all live together. Well, four out of the five of us live together, mm. and we thought, oh, that would make it easier. But we all have like insane schedules. Like yeah. me and so me and John from the band, who was also in Kerouac. Mm. He, um, me and him both work in music so we'd like we're nine to five but quite busy in the evenings yeah. and stuff, a lot of shows or whatnot and even at the weekends we're kind of we're kind of always on basically yeah. and then uh, James again in Kerouac was he basically he works like 12 hour days and which alternate between like six till six morning to evening and then sometimes like nights like evening through to six in the morning and then he's out of action basically for the day until about four and that's during the week and then it just became a real I don't know we just kind of and then one of the other ones like the drummer Tristan he is he's in Southampton and he's yeah. like really kicking off like his kind of like tattoo I don't know if career is the right word, but in terms of like he's getting really good at that and it always does he have a studio in Southampton uh, he's, he's at um, I completely fucking forgot the name of that. We'll put it in at the uh, end. Yeah, yeah. So well, if you want like a tattoo he, wor he, wor he works with a guy called Charlie. Uh, wait, forgot his surname as well. And then uh, Akira Newland and Nick Griffiths. Like they, they have yeah. a shop in Tottenham. Oh, okay. So basically, cool. and it's, they, they all do really good stuff there. Mm. I, yeah, that's I don't need to give them any more. <laughs> they don't need any more uh, publicity. They're always booked they out. They're, all, they're, they're always booked out. Um, <laughs> but he's doing really well there. So it was just like, when are we going to find the time? So we kind of just nipped it in the bud a bit. It was yeah. like, we kind of got what we wanted to do out of the it, way. Well, it was a charity signal, wasn't it? Yeah. And like, not, not in like a band-aid way. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was just like, the, we just thought, you could just put a track on SoundCloud and have it out for download. But if anyone really wants to download it, pay a quid. And I don't know. It's just something that we kind of thought. In terms of like, if you like read the lyrics or whatever, it kind of plays into the kind of work that they do in terms of like, I don't know, the kind of psyche that you're in, that these people might be in. So it's kind of, I don't know, that, that kind of went together. But we just could, we just, we were happy with what it was. Yeah. Um, and we'll probably, I'll probably do something again sometime, but it's probably going to be a lot more just back to basics yeah two minute fast songs well I'm very interested you say that because the, I know that one thing we had originally planned was to get you on our album in 2016 oh, special yeah, yeah. but we couldn't get the, the oh, calendars yeah. working you know I'm just a really busy man yeah, I know I'm not, I'm but not you sent me a screenshot of the, the list of albums that you had had well, I thought, cause, cause, and it was basically no rock records whatsoever so I think I think just at this stage, you've seen. Because the, the thing is, I also to make the point. I never. Every time anyone asks for like a 
I don't know, if you ever do like an album of the year list, I never put any bands I work with. Just because well, yeah, that's you work the, with you that's work with done. so many you work with so many bands, you can't fit all of them in and I'd love every record I work with, otherwise I wouldn't do it, you know. Like so but a lot of that a lot of that stuff is I guess for want of a better word like rock music mm. like even if it's like pop or yeah. modern baseball milky like they're all rock in some yeah. guitar music or yeah. whatever so, so, so in that sense I've I'm listening to that all the time. Yeah. So a lot, a lot, and a lot of it is. I don't know. I've always had like quite a. I don't know. Eclectic taste. I don't know. I don't, it's a, it's a weird it's a weird thing to say eclectic taste because I find it it's weird when people don't like love like it's it's the whole like guilty yeah. pleasures argument that comes up every now and then like why, why is it a why guilty pleasure? Why, why is why is Taylor Swift a guilty exactly, pleasure? Because like, you, because you love it. Like yeah. there, there's bands like that that I. I, I wouldn't listen to myself but in terms of like I don't know taste is such a weird thing I find like mm. you should just be able to listen to anything and I think that's it in terms of in terms of stuff that I liked from last year yeah. there, were, there were like a lot of it was towards the end of the year that I got into like a lot of a lot of like new US hardcore I think in the that record's amazing it's sweet because it sounds just like a really good distorted rock and roll record and then I see a video of them playing a hardcore fest with like Turnstar and Angel Dust yeah they're all like part of that scene in terms of like they're touring with that and I think it's, it's it's all about it's all about your band's ethos like in, in terms of like those touring parties like Basement always have like higher like, power yeah higher power supported and Turnstile like they played with in the past and they'll always play because they're all they're all hardcore kids yeah. from, from way back when so you you, you you see that in other bands like what you grew up like the kind of uh, That's the, that. kind of, the kind of scene collectiveness like you kind of latch onto that later in life and you that, I think that's one of the things that I've learned is that music can be regardless of genre as long as it means something yeah. as long as it's done for a pur- like for a purpose it isn't just like because there are so many metalcore bands nowadays like this is just like a, a yeah. an example like I just remember when we were kind of like I was going into my 20s or something you see a lot of like metalcore bands that kind of popped up in Southampton that kind of are just people wanting to be in a band by, and that's the problem and it's by the numbers break yeah, down exactly and you, you, the, all you want to do is you, you want to be in a band to say you're in a band mm. as opposed to you want to play music you want to write music you want to record music because that thing happens like so many people like maybe don't like the touring aspect but love being in the studio and vice versa and stuff but if your only reason to like do it is yeah. to basically have that kind of cred and be able to walk down the high street in Southampton and people be like oh you're like that guy guy from fucking Forests on Fire or fucking (laughs) I don't know there is probably a metalcore band out there called Forests on Fire there are there are go check them out (laughs) the thing is I was in one of because what I I grew up in a much smaller place than Southampton. I grew up in Horsham. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think this has probably been mentioned on every podcast, but Horsham Pride. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, uh, the guy who does the visuals for Gorillas is from Horsham. Is he? That's J- a good one. Jamie. Oh, um, oh. It's weird because I've been listening to those on the tracks a lot. Yeah. Anyway. But the guy who does the visuals, anyway. The guy that isn't Damon Albarn, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> um, and it was very metalcore driven, and there were a lot of bands coming up from Brighton, and all the, our, our bands would go down to there. So, um, you know, I, I kind of feel a little bit sad that we, we did go into the studio and recorded a, an EP with four songs, yeah. but it never got released. We spent yeah. hundreds of pounds on it. Yeah. Uh, went in with a proper producer and made you know, made the EP but we never found the right way to put it. We wanted to do CDs, we wanted to basically like think we were like all the bands that we looked up to well, that could afford to get a CD. That's that's all part of the fun, isn't it? That you you wanna you wanna hold it, you wanna I mean that's why physical yeah. media will like 
it'll dwindle, but it will never die because there'll always be people that love it. like the vinyl resurgence. Like it's been yeah. spoken about to death, but it's because you want to you want to hold art. Yeah, that's it. It's like if it's just an MP3, what does it mean? Yeah, like it doesn't exist. It like actively doesn't exist. So why? I think that's why people feel so okay with like um, I don't know like pirating records yeah. because it's they, in their minds it's like well it doesn't exist it's it's something that can be duplicated it's something that is it's just in the ether it doesn't yeah. it's on the internet and that's it they don't see the hours you, you put in making a record and the fact yeah because it's like it always comes in it's like what is it that, that old thing that used to play before films when it's just like you wouldn't steal a car or the something the guy with yeah, the red like, hot poker destroying yeah, all the CDs yeah. and it's like you always saying like you wouldn't steal a car you wouldn't steal a movie like as in like you wouldn't, you wouldn't go steal a like a DVD yeah and all this stuff and it's like as soon as you, it's just because you're uh, focusing on the the physical form of mm. said art but I don't know it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole long thing what, what's your thoughts on the cassette resurgence because oh, cassettes sound bad they, they do just sound bad <laughs> they look I don't I, I, I definitely have bought I don't really have bought cassettes. I think I've got. I, I bought the the Death Grips ex-military cassette. I've heard that. It's a good record. It's a good record, but it, I, I haven't listened to it. I, I've never listened to it on cassette. I actually I do have a cassette. Uh, I do have a cassette player because only because it's part of my rack. And if you take it out, then it looks weird. It, it looks too like it's only, yeah. there's only like a few. There's only like a CD or record player. And, and then it's a big rack, so you, it, it looks well off. If, if I was to get rid of it, I, I haven't used it. Ever. I barely used the CD player. I, I have only started buying cassettes because I just got my first car, uh, and so it doesn't have a CD that's player. Why, yeah, that works. That works. So that, okay, that that is why because I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pick up a because yeah, for ages none of them had CD players. Yeah. It's a uh, nice little bit of nostalgia when you remember being in like your your parents' car and like them playing all these like literally yeah. going to like a service stop and then picking up I don't know like I seem to remember going on the way to France and like picking up some stuff on the ferry and I'm pretty sure it was like Tom Jones like covers I can't remember what it's called Reload see I do know what it's called pretty surreal it's the one that's got like um, Mama told me not to come oh it's great it's, oh, it's, it's, it's covers right. of uh, bands doing Tom Jones covers or no, Tom, no, no. Jones Tom, covering... Tom Jones covering songs with like Robbie Williams and uh, fucking like a duet sound Keris from Catatonia oh doing oh the, it's amazing doing the baby it's cold exactly. outside from. what a banger see <laughs> Tom Jones Tom Jones getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of love here. Yeah. I wanted to um, talk to you mainly you know what I find really interesting is that we both kind of a, fr- a part of the Southampton punk scene yeah. because obviously you live in London now yeah. I've only lived in Southampton and not even in Southampton yeah. outside of Southampton for the last two years yeah. so I have not really had the experiences of the Southampton punk scene yeah. that I'm guessing that you because were you born, uh, in, were you born well, in Southampton? I was born, I was born in Essex right. but I moved my family moved down when we were when I was like four to like the New Forest area I which is kind of like like just south of Southampton yeah um, like the waterside area so like and I used to go to school in a place called Dibley Perlu met loads of I don't know kids that were into I don't know some point one and yeah system of a down like that's the thing all alternative music is the same thing when you're that age. Was that your kind of entrance into the oh, into yeah, the punk it was, scene? It was, it, was, it was reading Kerrang and uh, yeah, I think I had, like first record I bought was Limp Bizkit, Significant Other, which is definitely their best record. Uh, and then it was like, um, then what was it? Link, uh, Lincoln Park, like all the classics. I was I was that age. They were coming out when I'd literally just started secondary school. Yeah, and you want to be. 
making your mark as a kind of young adult at that stage, so you, you align yourself with, I don't know, that kind of thing. You're like, you get precious about these fans. I remember when, I think I saw like an ad for Godsmack in there, and I like latched onto them as being like, that's the band I'm like, they're yeah. going to be like the one that I get into they're like my band yeah which is kind of crazy in hindsight that, that, that music is awful yeah it's like Metallica light and I don't even like Metallica anymore. but yeah it's kind of so, so I'm, I'm from there originally and yeah well I, I kind of see it as being original like formative years are spent there yeah you um, kind of cut your teeth yeah that. And, that, and so you basically then at school you like I think it was in like year seven, a few of my friends were like, oh, do you want to start a band? And I used to, I didn't play anything, so learned how to play the bass really badly. And I basically had, I had classes with a guy that was like, he was basically flea, but about 12 years old. And it was literally the only two of us that, in the school that were doing like bass lessons. And he was so good that it just kind of made me like, why am I even here? I think I learned how to play Billie Jean and that was about as... It's good, yeah. I'm a, I wish I could remember it. I think Thomas You Are as well. So, yeah. I can do it with it. Like, I really hope like, oh, the microphone picks oh, up. This is, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, we started doing bands then, and it was like Tristan Ritter and James Soper, who basically are the only people I've ever made music with since then. Okay. And they were like my best friends. and we kind of would do that for a bit and then we enlisted the help of like other kids that wanted to join the band and like this is at a time where you're like either a band guy or a fucking footballer yeah. annoyingly I actually really liked football and used to play a lot so I kind of didn't get bullied too badly for yeah. that. but we were always kind of like seen as like outsiders makes it seem way more like I think that's that's the attractive term to use yeah. but we were kind of all white we were never like picked on any more than anyone else at that age like like we weren't like bullied for doing what we did and some people like some people from that football lot like in that thing that was quite cool and like we'd play through the years of like years eight and nine and then started playing at like youth huts just playing like bad like kind of punk slash post hardcore kind of band. Yeah. basically like we love bands like fucking first last or the used and I bet you were stoked about that from first to last news recently about I would have been like fucking ten years ago. <laughs> uh, but that yeah I don't know if that record's aged that well. But stuff like the used I still think that yeah. first and bands like the Blair and the Bronx like all their debut albums came out like yeah. when we were like thirteen or fourteen. So we we took that on a lot. Um, and we played shows and I think we played the joiners in at the end of year 10 and that was like the first time we played like somewhere that wasn't like a floor show at a youth hut yeah those those things were cool it was always like every Friday you'd turn up and like plug in and play and like loads of people would come down and actually enjoy your stuff were the um, all the shows before that show at the Jordan yeah. was, uh, were all the shows um, on the other side of the water at that point yeah yeah it was a, a high youth hut mm. um, and basically they they, they the people that organised that, like the kind of youth workers there, were always happy to like put on bands and stuff. And it was all, it, everything was like all done on like message boards. From, yeah. And it was all like set up like that. MSN. Yeah, hey, do you want to play this thing? It was all you. Like you never, like, you just, <laughs> like, you just wanted to play because you wanted to play it. And then, so through that, you meet, you end up meeting like loads of people that are like doing stuff now. I don't know if you know the band Natives. Yeah, yeah. So basically, there used to be a band called Not Advised. Okay. who basically were from they're from the exact same kind of area as us and we played they're like all a school year older than us yeah and we kind of played with them a lot but they were like the big band they were like the they were like the really cool yeah um, they were the ones you kind yeah, of looked were, up to yeah, yeah, we, we, we had that there was a band called Heroes vs Villains that amazing we, yeah we, we kind of looked up to them it's like you know when they would play a show because Horsham was very youth centre oriented as well you either had the youth centre you had the occasional summer show in the park mm -hmm. or you had the pubs and obviously we couldn't play the pubs because they weren't interested yeah. in booking metalcore bands yeah. and even if you, they were just interested in pub covers bands sadly sadly that's true yeah but yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's just weird how like when you look back on things like this because that was when I started hearing of Will from Creeper 
and his old band, which I won't say the name of because now he's a cool rock star, I can't. I can't stitch him up like that. Right. I can't stitch him up like that. It's is a very it, bad name. Is it potentially defamatory? Oh no, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's, not, it's not. It's not offensive. It's just. It's just well, bad. Uh, but any. But he kind of. So we played that Joiners show mm. in, when we were like, yeah, 15. And was Will's band playing that show? No, before? they weren't playing that, but it, like I was saying about like message boards, you know who's kind of around and you see like MySpace pages of this band's from Winchester and it's mm. like, oh, we, you'd like message them and like try and set up a show at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we played this um, we played this, this show at the Joiners with Not Advised. They basically asked us to play and it was like our first ever show. They were doing like our like, first ever proper show like, and we were like fucking blown away. Like, it was so insane. Like, we probably played absolutely terribly, but it felt like the coolest thing ever. And also played that night was a band called Minus Elizabeth who, they were like, they were like from Bournemouth and they were seen as like the next level up from Not Advised in terms of, because they were like more the, because Not Advised played like a kind of alkaline trio like kind of basically Blink 182 when uh, when they did that self-titled record yeah. they basically sound like Blink that. 182 mellowed out a little yeah, bit yeah they basically they, they, I think they took a lot of inspiration from that but that so that wasn't really my kind of thing whereas this yeah. Minus Elizabeth band were like it was like kind of like classic emo like kind of like are we talking like first wave uh, like yeah they were like inspired by like all those like Sunny Day uh, Jawbreaker Sunny Day Real Estate yeah Pedro stuff, stuff like that they were kind of they weren't as like heavy as bands like that but they kind of had the aesthetic they all looked really cool they all had like those fucking like the baseball tees yeah like, they basically just, uh, that was cool at one point by the way that doesn't sound very cool now but basically hey, no no Charlie Simmons wears baseball tees uh, Charlie Simmons wears a lot of questionable shit <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see what he's wearing tonight I'm very uh, excited I, I really hope he's got pink camo as promised on Twitter no Fuck's sake. Um, but, but yeah, they, uh, this Miles Elizabeth band played, and we were always like the same. We ended up going to college with the singer of that band, and we were always like, oh, he's definitely going to be a, he's definitely going to be a star. He's like amazing singer, and always like just really cool, and always like doing good music stuff. Uh, and now he is the singer of the Vaccines. Justin Hayward Young, yeah, he was in this band for months, Elizabeth, and they were like, yeah, they were like the coolest thing. Yeah. And then when we went to college, you like saw him around, and you were like, who, 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 you try and like infiltrate like yeah. the friendship group because they're the cool kids. But yeah, like it's the, the, the South Coast scene is. I could literally fucking go on about it, like till I'm blue in the face. This the, the thing, the whole, the whole thing with this creeper record, was, because I listened to it for the first time and it was just like, did you get it before release or no? I listened. I, I'd been sent like not like been all cool, but like I'd been sent yeah, stuff cool. in the, from the, the EPs where one of them would be like, oh, this is what we've got coming up by the way. Hope you you're into it like this yeah. is through like even Neil or the band yeah. and I was kind of like this time I was thinking about like oh shall I shall I ask because I was just really excited to hear it but then I was like I think the way that the kind of I don't know the, the fan group the fan base for this band is so like they're so involved they're so like excited for yeah. everything so I kind of got a little bit swept up in that and I kind of was like okay you know what I don't want to I want to listen when everyone else does and then when they did the stream at like midnight I think I, I on the independent I was like coming in from like a night out Look, I had a couple of beers and then <laughs> reoccurring thing, theme here and I kind of was like okay well I'll listen to this along with everyone else and I just got really like I just got really fucking emotional listening to it because it just feels like it does just feel like a kind of a distillation of all of those bands that we all grew up playing in and playing with and it just I don't know it's, it just is basically and the fact is they shout Southampton so much in like everything they do that yeah. it feels so like close to home and you just remember all these like this fucking basement show we played at or like when we played to like 20 people together in Manchester or, and all these things and all this kind of stuff it kind of really comes because we toured with our time up here yeah. a lot of times and basically 
it just felt like I don't know it, it, was, it, was, it was a really weird surreal because I was obviously heard all their stuff up to now and like there are other bands that um, my band's like Buried Tomorrow are friends of mine for yeah. and like we're all really close awesome guys so it's all like you've heard this before but this was the one that kind of felt like because it was because it was so Southampton centric and so and from basically like members of a scene that been, I'd been a part of mm. since I was like 16 or something yeah that it just felt so good like Dan Bratton he's been in so many bands Dan Bratton asked me to ask you something no. while recording yeah <laughs> He, he asked me to ask you about Organs is Black. Oh, I thought I was going to get past that. So this is, this is what I mean by uh, bad, like, post-hardcore. Was this the band that played the show with Not Advised? Oh, no, there was a band, there was a name before that, that the repercussions of a nightmare was the one that played. I know, it's awful. So then we moved into Organs is Black. Basically, it was never, it was just an evolution of the next band. Yeah. The Organs is Black stuff, we basically did an album literally when we finished our GCSEs like we we just wrote a time like track a yeah like a concept record like it was kind of mental in hindsight and I still like listen every now and then and just think like there's some there's some stuff in it I, I, I kind of at least like applaud the kind of the balls out like kind of hey we're gonna do 10 tracks because I haven't done that since I, I haven't heard this project I'll admit oh you don't really okay. is it out there Oh, it's not. I don't think you can find it on the internet. I've, I, people have it. So if I end up <laughs> listening to it and they go, "This is so horrible," I think I may actually just have it on here. Let's have a look. Um, but basically, it was like I think we called the album uh, "The Last Defense of Alpha Centauri." Yeah, I know. Insane. Alpha Centauri. Where is that from? Is That's. It, um, is that Battlestar? I think. I think I just saw it written down somewhere. Oh, it was right. cool. It's, this is the thing back at that age I don't have it on here I'll have it somewhere I'll, I'll send it to you just don't play it on the show but, he, it's, um, but yeah he, I, so I know Bratton when he was in like a band that we play with quite a lot and we played quite similar like it was quite expansive mm. post hardcore stuff like with synths and, and stuff and, yeah. and so so yeah I've known him for a while through that and the funny thing is with like Ian was in like the thing is Ian and Will were always in like really cool punk bands yeah like just like fuck you we're like they're, they're, they're always really nice to to me and to our bands and stuff but we were never like they were always seen as like the cool kids because they were playing like basement shows and people would be like going to their their gigs and like just absolutely like crowd surfing in the back room of a pub somewhere yeah. just like always like everything was like gang shouting like that, throw that the mic still exists so yeah I oh, know that's what I mean that's what they pulled, brought into Creeper mm. like big time and that's one thing that it's quite I'm quite ready for people to I guess the back because anytime a band gets big like this record's going to be in the top 20 and yeah. and that's they're, so surreal there are people that are going to be like oh well they sold out or some bullshit like there's always someone on the internet that's going to say something like that and the punk credentials if that's even still a thing anymore like that that band has like in its arsenal the people yeah. playing in that band it's like you literally don't even know like how like real these people are in terms of like their morals in terms of like what they've done for a scene it's like it's, it's, you can't really compare like Will basically uh, when we were first doing the Kerouac stuff we can we, he want, he basically wanted to help us release our first album yeah. or like the first bit of music we did and this is before like Holy Roar and and sort of got involved he was just like oh, I just want to put it on CD and just get me all the artwork over and I'll pay for it and basically release it and basically the first batch came back with like the artwork was all wrong and like the some of like the staples had like gone through the like as in like through as opposed to like on the spine they've been put like through the thing like it's, I don't even know and basically Will felt so bad about it that he literally just got the same order like done twice just to like and he didn't recoup that money yeah. that he lost on the and I'll always remember that as being like a kind of if anyone's ever gonna I don't know call foul to like 
what those guys are doing. Yeah. Like in ter- like they are like it's such a fucking because uh, it, it's it's so weird that everyone knows how nice these guys are now. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, and there's I've said this to someone else before where it's like. I fucking hate the term like they deserve it because that makes it out like yeah well, you're like you get the fucking participant award at like at the end of the season at football like it's like well he turned up for practice every time so let's give him a fucking trophy as well yeah whereas so, so that's it you can't say like to say something deserves it is almost like derogatory mm. like it couldn't have happened to better people and all these things all these kind of like buzz phrases and stuff yeah. but they genuinely are the best people and they deserve all of this that's happening for them and it's it's so cool to see like so many other people like yeah. kind of worshipping them kind of like how we were when we were younger like in terms of like looking up to them being like oh they're playing these good shows yeah. and, like but you're all infant like the whole thing with the punk scene in Southampton was everyone was inspired by everyone else regardless of what music you were playing because yeah. like I said like we weren't playing the same time of music as our time on here or yeah. Play Tomorrow would always come out to our shows and like all this stuff like we're always playing regardless we'd always be wearing each other's t-shirts and yeah. shows and stuff and it's just like it's not the barriers of genre are completely broken down mm. it's, it's a bit strange how now the Southampton scene yeah. it's kind of uh, it's because obviously you have bands come down from Winchester and yeah, yeah. Bournemouth as you were saying uh, to play these Southampton shows whereas now it's like these bands are coming down from London or they're coming across from Brighton yeah. and as soon as they all centre on Southampton because I think a lot of people come for the ranch yeah, yeah. and also things like What the Fest and So Punk Fest and that. In, t- in terms of, yeah, the scene that's been created down there is like, it's not obviously what it was when we were kids. Oh, it's so much better. It's like, in terms of, like, Neil's been producing bands at other studios but when the ranch, the ranch is like almost becoming like its own thing. Yeah. It's like, Iconic's maybe a bit like but give, it, give, no, it, give, it, it, give it, give it about, give it ten more years. It's almost like, like Southampton's South electric lady or something. Yeah, it is. It's like it's the hub for, and even yeah, not even just Southampton. Just in terms of like, yeah, people who come from miles over to like, and it's only going to get crazier for Neil mm. because of all this, all this uh, creepy stuff. But, but Neil is like another one, like a proper like old school. Like he, the thing is, before all the not advice stuff, mm. before we would like doing those punk shows and there was yeah. a band called Not Katie's who were like in Big Cheese and that was like the most yeah. insane thing we were like well they're touring and they toured a lot with Howard's Alias who um, basically who were like basically Howard's Alias and Not Katie's were seen as like the biggest bands to come out of Southampton yeah. from like the punk scene right. basically Howard's Alias has Matt Reynolds who is one of the best like songwriters mm. ever and he texts for he texts for Creeper now yeah. And basically, he's always making music. Seriously, I, I can't. Him and Neil are like two like pillars of <laughs> Southampton music in terms of like, and they both involve. That's the whole thing with the, the yeah. Creeper. It's because of all the people that are involved in it, it adds to the kind of. Uh, yeah, the, the reason I get nostalgia is because, yeah, you again, see like Neil Kennedy's involved in it. Neil Kennedy yeah. was like that, like. He was always the guy that was making records, like producing records, and you yeah, always yeah, want him yeah. to do your stuff, but you knew of his past of being in bands. Like, and those two, like, are amazing songwriters, Matt and Neil. So, like, it's kind of, it, it's almost only fitting that they're involved. Yeah. Like, I know that when, I like, was reading the other day that Will, when signing the contract yeah. to Roadrunner, wanted one of the clauses to be, Neil, we, yeah. we work with Neil yeah. and Neil alone. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's uh, it's obviously good for for Neil mm. getting in that contract from a major label. Yeah, uh, it kind of helps help, it helps the, uh, the studio live on. Like they're doing really good stuff. Yeah. Like they're always going to be busy. But I mean, like just to because it's one of the things. It's such a it's a, it's a hard business for um, stuff like that in terms of oh I did that record and now. Now they're signed to this label, so now it's going to go to fucking what's it, like John Feldman or like, yeah. you know like, that's just usually how it works. And they would just because he is integral to 
them at this stage. Yeah, they, he's like the sixth member. Of yeah, he three, is. Oh, the seventh member now. Yeah, he he really is. Uh, because it's only like it, it, maybe it's only little things. They'll just be like, try it like this, try it like that. Because he's got such a encyclopedic yeah. like memory of like music that he can just. I don't know. The stuff he can pick on is amazing. Like he, 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 he uh, we were all so glad when we, because we heard about that like before. I don't know, like before they started doing this record, that he would be doing this EP and then the album. Yeah. And it was kind of like that's good, not just on like a friendship level, but in terms of I like this band. Yeah. I want this band to keep making music as they have been, and it's very important that Neil is in on that. I think because. Because he, he's coming on leaps and leaps and bounds with his production work anyway. Boy, melting. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, the stuff he does with them. It's... Maybe it was a good thing that you weren't at the Albums of the Year podcast because if our child was my Album of the Year, okay. I, know, I know you obviously work with the band. Yeah, so yeah. Maybe that would have been a little bit unsettling. Oh, uh, no, no, it's fine. It's, it's, it's to, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about one more thing before we yeah. stopped recording. Yeah. Um, was, uh, I'd say... Oh, we've been talking we, We've been talking a while and we're going to go see the aforementioned creepers yeah, right? yeah. Um, I, was, I was hoping that I wasn't going to just spend this whole conversation talking about creeper but it's, it's very easy to isn't it stop talking about creeper that's me mate you do, you do start thinking yeah. like fucking hell everyone's writing about this band and then you go oh shit I'm just always talking about this band so it makes sense um, I wanted to talk about something completely different but yes. it's a shared interest of ours oh, um, Thanks to you, the Mountfield Reading Club. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've I must admit, I'm bad at he not is, having he's, come, he's bad at this. not coming to any of the meetups so yeah. far because they're oh, yeah, like, that's up it's right. up here. Yeah. Um, what, why did you set up Mountfield? Uh, this is a reading club that. Uh, Tom set up by the way and if you if you want to be a part of it it's really quite chill isn't it? Oh, like, basically the whole the, the, the thing with the meetups is kind of that was like an afterthought the whole mm. idea was like I'd been talking to a lot of my friends that were like we want to read more but we I don't know I think the whole the whole the whole thing that I wanted to do here was that you wanted to set up like a group of people all like on the same book because if you know that other people are like you've got spotters basically like, yeah. it's like going to the gym with someone because you won't, you won't fucking go through it unless like your mate just like, like well I'm going yeah. and you, you don't want to get left behind so this kind of thing is like if you're all reading along at the same time mm. you kind of feel like you should finish it because yeah. you're part of something you're this camaraderie yeah. and stuff like that so yeah that was that was mainly it the, 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 the meetups and stuff was kind of like a it was like uh, a second, yeah, secondary because, because element because keep people kept asking oh so when are we going to do that because I guess the like, that is what a book club is to people yeah. whereas my I think I made a point of like putting it as a reading club to make people think that, so basically if people weren't up for like meetups then it could just exist as a a Facebook yeah, group yeah, yeah. for people to just be like okay here's what we're going to read let's all just do this yeah. and let's let's get into it and it's kind of like yeah a few people have been showing up to these things and it's just like it was just cool to see people being like oh I bought this book like my dad messaged me and he was like I don't know if I'll finish it but I'm just because he, he basically he works a lot in like theatre like his yeah. out of, outside of work he does a lot of like plays and directs mm. and stuff so a lot of the stuff he reads is like play scripts or yeah. whatnot yeah. instead of like novels but he saw that I'd been doing that and he was like oh yeah I'll read it to be fair I'm not sure if he has but, uh, <laughs> but yeah it's kind of just cool to see people like that it's like, just be like oh yeah I might check this out and the whole thing is I wanted to read stuff that was going to like challenge people's like preconceptions I wanted to make sure that there were like books by people of colour or like I'm, I've been all like I look at my bookcase and it's like shit like this is literally about 97% blokes and yeah. not really by like not by like choice I was just like oh shit so that's another yeah. thing that I've been making sure that we're we're reading from yeah. a lot of different avenues and a lot of different perspectives because you, you want to like it's all well like you can have like a holiday book that you just want to feel like you're doing something while you're next to the pool yeah but yeah. But some, but the whole point is this is that I wanted to be reading like stuff that's gonna like I don't know 
improve my and kind of broaden my horizons and you know all these cliches. I think that's the thing as well. Like like you say, obviously, a lot of people use the excuse, "Oh, I only have time to read if I've got like if I'm going on like a resort for two weeks, I'll take a book with me and read it by the pool." But what struck me as a really good thing about Mountfield is the fact that. I've always kind of seen the book clubs as kind of scary. So if you have to go into these yeah. clubs with a working knowledge of literature, of you know, yeah. of the politics of, of books, essentially. Even even now, that's exactly what I didn't. Yeah. yeah. And whereas I could just go, well, I like this bit, but I didn't like that bit, yeah. and I quite like that bit. Because that's the thing. There were so many people in there that read a lot and can literally go into every detail of a book that we've had at these meetings and it's like that's really cool but then there are also people that are just like I like this but I don't really know why but yeah. that's also cool and like it's it's kind of weird because the whole thing is like <laughs> one of the reasons about the meets was like I don't know it's just hard to because you you put yourself in a position where you're like oh shit I'm actually going to have to lead this one yeah. I'm going to have to be like also what do you think about the, the themes of chapter four or I think it? that's another thing as well is you, you know, don't want to be too formal you, d- you don't want to be spending the whole time reading this I book what, going yeah. what am I going to say about the themes of that chapter yeah, yeah. what am I going to say like am I meant to be analysing this as I read it or am I just meant to be enjoying that it that was the thing because I realised that the first one we did I was like yeah I, need, yeah I need to go back and like remind myself what's happened mm. because when you're going through you're just like going along you're swept along on the journey yeah but it's um yeah I, I, I've, I've quite enjoyed it because I've been doing like a writing course recently and it's just like um you, you learn so much about about writing and what goes into making a story so that was really good I was doing that kind of side by side with this and it was kind of each lesson I was like ah so that's what I can talk about mm. this thing and now that I've done that, I can see it in writing a lot more. Like in terms of like, what are they trying to? I don't know. There are a lot of there are a lot of things. I think this year I kind of just started being like, I had a fairly rough 2016, which I'm, which literally everyone had. Like it's yeah. it's it's it was a shit year. Exactly, literally, and no one had a good one. So yeah. I kind of wanted to start the year thinking, okay, let's do more cool shit. Yeah. And I think that was it. That's why I did the course. Uh, really started off work like really just like day one I was like okay I'm gonna do this that and attack the year basically yeah because you can't have another one of those you can't have another 2016 and yeah it's it's going alright so far it's just kind of yeah keeping on top of everything because I was getting like so many books to read through the writing course as well yeah so it was like shit I'm doing like (laughs) four books a month like which is which like people can do but I'm just a, quite a slow reader so yeah. I'm very like me too yeah I'm very, yeah, very slow but I'm getting, getting better it's fine annoyingly almost immediately after we stopped recording and started making our way to see Creeper I found out that Tom actually once worked for Hassle Records who I now work for uh, from time to time that said there is Lots of stuff that we didn't really get a chance to chat about in the time that we had, so I'm sure that we'll get Tom back on the podcast in the future. I'd certainly love to have him back on anyway. That was uh, Bitch and Brew number nine with Tom Denson. You can go and follow Tom on Twitter. Uh, he is simply at Tom Denson, Tom spelt with an H. Uh, he's often quite hilarious on there. I've many a retweets on my part in the past. If you want to join me in urging Tom to get the Mountfield Reading Club going again, there's a Facebook group that you can request to join. Just search Mountfield Reading Club. Mountfield is all one word. And it probably is going to be the only result that comes up. Um, thanks to Tom for being such a dude, seriously. Thanks also to The Sour Taste for letting me premiere their new track. Uh, that was called Am I Dead? And it's taken from their new EP, Heart Sinker, uh, which is out on September 15th, 2017 on Speaking Tongues. Uh, pre-order it now. I'll pop the link in the description. If you are in a band 
and you have an as yet unreleased track that you would like to premiere to the world via the medium of Bitch and Brew, then I'm all ears for almost all genres of music. Drop me an email. The email address is b.brewcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Google for not letting me have uh, an email address with the word bitch in it. And uh, yeah, b.brewcast at gmail.com and we'll have a chat, do business, what have you. Uh, I'm going to be taking a bit of a break for the sort of sake of my health for the rest of September. Uh, I'm off on holiday, which is going to be sick, but I do definitely plan to be back sometime in October with Bitch and Brew number 10 will be in double figures, which is awesome to say. And my guests for that will be the members of the amazing instrumental post-rock band Cold Bones, uh, including Bitch and Brew's first ever returning guest. Uh, To hear all that first, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Acast, or all of the above. Links, as ever, are in the description. And uh, if you like this episode, or any of the previous episodes of Bitch and Brew, then maybe leave a cool little review on Apple Podcasts, because some kind words honestly go a long way. Uh, Also, make sure that you follow Bitch and Brew on Facebook and on Twitter. It's just facebook.com forward slash b dot brewcast or at bitch and brewcast on twitter as i tend to share some uh cool shit that my friends are doing or just chat utter shit uh between episodes so uh make sure you follow us on social media to catch all the best and worst of that uh thanks again for listening until next time i'm out bye bye now